Listener Production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Suda. Join us each week as we break down an issue in global politics so that you can understand what's going on in the world right now, but also what's likely to happen in the future. Our host, Dr. Keith Suda, is one of Australia's leading commentators on global affairs and geopolitics. My name is Sasha Barbagat. I'm a journalist. And this week we're discussing the idea of the rot economy. It's off an article written by Ed Zitron. He argues that business has abandoned the idea of doing things well to focus solely on growth. Keith, this is a, an interesting idea, mm. the rot economy. Talk us through what it is. Ed Zitron is a public relations expert. He's a CEO of a firm based in San Francisco. And I think this is a very damning survey of modern economics as used particularly by the big end of town. In other words, the argument is that we've had too much easy money, and we've seen that even now when they're trying to squeeze the money out of the economy with the high interest rates. There's still a lot of easy money that's been floating around. And so what he's saying is that big firms are really just focusing on one metric, which is growth. Providing you're growing, even if you're not making money, providing you're growing, then we have confidence in you, which seems to me to be incredibly poor economics. I'm a a supporter of Warren Buffett, who likes to see things nicely set out, likes Mm -hmm. to see how the money is being made. He never invests in something he doesn't understand. There's this whole new world, particularly in the tech world, where you've got people who just keep on inventing numbers. For me, one of the case studies that Ed Zitron looks at is the whole question of Google. Google started off as a brilliant idea, being able to identify documents and ideas from around the world. But unfortunately, Google has now become a rotten system because it's been gamed by a business. In other words, that you do what's called search engine optimization. Mm-hmm. And I've got to admit, I've got an IT person who does it for me. Yes. I've helped to destroy Google in my own small way. Media is very so guilty instead of, it. of the Google algorithm objectively just looking at what material exists on the American political system or something. Instead, what you've got are people who've gamed the system by using search engine optimization, which will put the particular brand name or something higher up the search engine survey. And that really has eroded the value of Google. In fact, I've now given up with Google. I'm now on DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo, I haven't heard of that one. Oh, it's excellent. Okay, okay. Well, it's an improvement. I wouldn't say it's excellent because I'm becoming disenchanted generally with search engines because search engine optimization is just ruining what was a brilliant idea, having this search engine system. In the article, he identifies Google as an example. Google no longer provides the best result or answer to your query. It provides the answer that it believes is most beneficial or profitable to Google. Before you sent this article to me, I thought it was just me having problems with Google. I'm like, (laughs) why can't I find anything that I'm actually looking for? And the first huge tranche of results you get back are ads, you know? It's insane. Um, He also mentions Meta and Microsoft as case studies. Talk us through what Yeah, so in the case of Meta, he particularly doesn't like Meta. So (laughs) Meta is the new name for... Facebook, because Mark Zuckerberg reckons that Meta, whatever it's going to be, 
you will live in a meta world, which is not the real, not what I would call the real world, but it's a, a different sort of world indeed. So he's uh, called his company Meta. And so his Meta company is spending or wasting, destroying lots of money, but investors continue. He's not making any money out of any of this. He's losing money, giving the indication that ultimately he will be successful with his uh, scheme. I'm not sure how it's going to work out. You know, do you want to go around with with those... The uh, goggles on your well, head? Goggles, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> do you want to go around with goggles and whatever? Plus, of course, there are all the sorts of privacy implications. As he says in the article, the market seemed to ignore the $410 million fine that Meta received for the GDPR, that's General Data Protection Provision, violations. So in Europe now, I don't know if you've dealt with Europeans recently, but they are very careful about mailing lists and all that sort of thing that they can't just mail stuff out to you. You have to request it. Right. So so the Europeans are working on the basis that you now have a right to be forgotten. You have a right to become invisible. <laughs> That's a good theory. And, I like it. And the problem with Meta is the way in which they behave is based on simply gathering data on individuals. Mm. And ultimately, all of that's going to be ruled illegal. And so what happens to Meta's business model? One of my main complaints about Facebook, I'm not on Facebook, but one of my main complaints is years ago, CIA were fascinated by the way in which Americans were willing to share so much intimate information on their Facebook pages. Mm. And so CIA insisted that Facebook give them a rear entry into all computer systems mm-hmm. because they are not allowed to collect the data on American citizens, but they can survey the data that others are collecting on wow. American citizens. It's crazy. It is crazy. But he's expressing doubt about whether or not Facebook or Meta will continue to be a good business model. It starts it out obviously as a way for people to link up and be in Facebook groups and whatever. But the whole thing has now been distorted again by financial interests. Yeah, it's always the businesses. Always the businesses, yeah. Yeah, so I guess speaking on that, Zitron says in his piece that businesses have become obsessed with more, more revenue, higher valuations, gaining more market share. I guess, though, isn't that the point of businesses, for them to make money? It is to make money, but Warren Buffett would say you really want to be making real money and not the imaginary stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, d- projections. Uber still has not made a dollar. Mm. That's crazy. Why on earth would anyone invest in Uber? Yeah. Buffett is quite clear on this, that he only invests in companies, boring companies like Coca-Cola, who produce solid returns every year. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of this other exotic stuff is really just financial engineering as far as he's concerned. I think the bigger picture that we're dealing with here and the warning that Ed Zitron is giving us is that eventually we're just going to have this bubble bursting. We see it already with cryptocurrency, which Warren Buffett again doesn't (laughs) like. And I think with good reason, I haven't invested in cryptocurrency. Yeah, I've got to say the thing I find difficult, I guess we could almost call them startups. They kind of start up from nowhere and become really big really quickly, is that the optics look good. It looks like it's going to be successful. It looks right. And then you get regular people who fall into the trap of investing or buying shares or whatever it might be. So is this just the way businesses are going to be run in the future? Is this the direction that they're going? Well, it's the way they're going at the moment. But his prediction, I think, is that they're not going to continue to be able to run that way eventually. 
the air will come out of the bubble. And he makes a comment about these charismatic white guys, particularly um, uh, a fellow who created WeWork. Mm -hmm. We've had service offices for a long time. So he came along and did some pee and thimble tricks to glamorise it and generated huge sums of money, which, Mm. of course, then folded. This is a person who lost billions of dollars on investment. Appalling. Mm. And he's now back in the business. He's trying to create something else in terms of accommodation, Mm. private accommodation. So this is the phrase, messianic white guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, yep, that makes sense. I see, I see. So what other examples does the author mention about the rot economy and who's involved? Well, I think that really what he's doing is simply saying, look, we've got to get back to basics and we've got to try to sort out how we're doing economic growth and how we measure it. That's I think, is the problem. And it's interesting because this issue of measurement is one that I've been associated with for decades. For example, the whole question of the measurement of GDP, gross domestic product, that is simply the measure of money going through the economy. It's not saying whether it's a good measure of money or a good flow of money for any purpose. So, for example, bushfires are good for the Australian economy. Mm. We keep people employed. We have people who need to be buried, etc. Good for the undertakers. So we need to have better ways of trying to assess the value of economic growth and not perhaps just be focused so much on economic growth. Now, this is a fellow who writes about business, but you could easily blend that in with the environment because obviously I've come at this whole issue of economic growth from an environmental point of view Mm. because I've been concerned that we focus so much just on economic growth rather than asking what does this actually do with the environment. And, of course, we're, we're heading into this period of, a, if we're going to be successful, of avoiding climate change, which require immense amount of change to the way in which we operate the economy. And I just wonder if environmentalists are really up front with telling people about how much change is going to be required if we are going to save the planet. And one of the indicators of this has obviously got to be ways of measuring how we're actually going all the time. The UN is trying to do this. They have sustainable development goals or this sort of thing. So the United Nations is working on it, but we're still fixated. Take Donald Trump, for example. He would assess the state of the American economy by where Wall Street was. Mm. But Wall Street is simply the measurement of rich people's money. Yeah. It's not an indication of how healthy the American economy was. Or if you look at the lead-up to 2008, booming house prices. But that was another bubble. Yeah. And the Americans were using their houses as automatic teller machines. Because they were thinking they were getting richer and richer, they would go out and spend the money which they thought they were accumulating in the house. So they're actually getting deeper and deeper in debt and the bubble was just continuing to grow. What we need, although he doesn't spell it out in much detail in this article, what we need is an alternative way of doing economics whereby we can actually see worthwhile activities that are then therefore paid for and are worthwhile and that we don't waste money on things like cryptocurrency. You're listening to Global Truths with Dr Keith Souter. Thanks for your company as we look into the so-called rot economy and what it is. 
Keith, the article made a concerted point about the impacts this sort of business practice has on people, as in, you know, the human economy. Yep. Tell us about that. Yeah, so what he's doing is, is again, it goes back to the manipulation of the public image of the company. So you can issue a media release saying you're going to be recruiting people, and then later on you issue a media release saying we're about to wax 10,000 jobs, mm. etc. And that's all part of this manipulation of the share price. Nobody sort of asks the questions, well, why are you appointing people only to fire them later on, etc.? So he's saying that these are consequences that we need to bear in mind. They will miss the mass hire and the mass fire, nice play on words there, <laughs> because there are no consequences when the markets really don't care as long as the company itself stays valuable. So we're looking at a giant bubble and you're manipulating all the, the metrics in terms of hiring and firing, et cetera. But you're not actually necessarily improving innovation, which is one of his concerns here, that we ought to be doing a lot more to just do the basic stuff on the economy. You go to the United States, for example, and this is an American writer, you've got bridges that fall down, et cetera. They're not really devoting enough attention to the really basic stuff in the United States, which is infrastructure. I find it a really interesting article. And it's also a reminder, again, coming from Warren Buffett, that if you were to go back 100 years ago, there would have been 500 car producers. So which one would you have invested in at the time? You would have waited for the market to settle down, and then you'd find the winners like Henry Ford. Then you would invest in Ford. Right. And that's really what we ought to be doing. But instead we jump in mm. too prematurely and start splashing the money around in the expectation that ultimately this will be a great scheme, like the Theranos blood testing scheme, mm -hmm. which turned out to be a giant scam. Mm. So what he's arguing for then is more caution about how you spend your money. The problem is we have too much money to spend. It was a different world 100 years ago. There just was not that much money floating around. Mm. But now because of the way in which the government has dealt with the COVID crisis, et cetera, they've pumped so much money into the economy that we've inflated this giant bubble. And so you've got a, a dramatically increased values on everything, including houses, et cetera. And ultimately, that bubble is going to burst. So what he's trying to do is just to let the air out of the bubble slowly. It has to be, remain to be seen whether you can do that mm. or whether the whole thing you know, is like riding a bicycle. If you don't keep moving, you fall off. So we could be in, in the future with some severe economic crises. Keith, is the way of doing business like this here to stay? I know you made the point that, for example, Meta's business practices aren't going to last long because of all the privacy laws. But in terms of this tech bro startup, you know, pumping money into these unproven businesses, is that what we're going to keep seeing? I doubt it because I think that ultimately the system will just collapse because it's overinflated. It's a bit like blowing up a balloon. Eventually the balloon breaks entirely particularly when you factor in the environment. This is the problem. Whenever you get economists together, they only talk about money. Mm. They don't talk about the environment. But you need to talk about the environment all the time in all contexts. When you're talking about the environment, you then will realise, well, we just can't go on growing because otherwise we'd just be a cancer on the globe. And so we then need to say, well, how do we redesign economic activity. I don't know how we're going to do it, right? I'm up front here. I'm not able to push a wheelbarrow saying this is this is how you solve the economy, ABC. At the moment, I'm just campaigning with something as basic as getting the metrics right. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, don't get obsessed about GDP figures, etc. But it seems to me that we, if we're going to survive as a society, and there's no guarantee that we will, mm. but if we are going to survive, it's going to be because we're going to change the way that we do economics. We've got to have money flowing through the economy. I quite agree with that. But it may be that we're going to have to get used to having less money in our pockets and buying fewer things. Remember, consumerism was invented 250 years ago. People traditionally used to work on the farm and they would work when there was work to do. When there wasn't work, they would just stay at home or they'd go for religious observances or play sport or whatever. And then in 1750, we we use that as the date, it's somewhere of that order. 1750, the Industrial Revolution begins in Great Britain. The basic problem is how do you get the workers to turn up for, when those days, six days a week? Oof, no thanks. How do you keep them working? Yep. Because if they can earn enough money Monday to Wednesday, why would they be here on Thursday? And so we invented consumerism to be a carrot that dangles perpetually in front of your nose. So whatever you've got, you need to get even more. Yeah. That's growth. Mm-hmm. And that's how you keep on working and working and working. Eventually, the environment will just say, we can't continue. Yeah, it's done. There's and then left. we're finished. Yeah. Now, it may well be that we're all going to be written off as humans. There will still be life on this planet. There's no doubt in my mind about that. But whether it's going to be human life coping with the environment, I just don't know. But that's the challenge that we've got. We've got to blend the environment in with economics, and we've got to also factor in the whole issue of social justice and make sure that people are paid equitably and not have the rich getting richer at the cost of poorer people. We've got immense challenges. But then when I look at the discussions in the newspapers or TV about economics, it's always so narrowly focused. Mm. It doesn't bring in these wider considerations of social justice and the environment. Well, something that we all should maybe educate ourselves about then. Keith, thanks for your time today. Thank you. Global Truths is presented by Dr. Keith Suter and me, Sasha Barber-Gatt. Audio production by Niall Fernandez. Theme and original music by Matt Nicolich.